Welcome back to Redline, a millennial tale of passionate love in the combative workplace set in Boston. Hop on board for the next episode of Pia's Tale here on Redline. The next Redline train to Alewife is now We flew back to Boston using the hour flight to discuss our April party. We have to get the invitations out by next week, I said. Do you want me to design something? Yeah, that'd be great. And Rod, I'd really like to invite Tian. He's been a great patron and all my other clients are invited. I don't want him around. I don't even want to see your painting of him. Did you finish it? Why would you care if you don't even want to see it? Because if I know it's done and out of your life, I'll sleep better. It's done. Do you have a picture of it? Do you want to see it? Yep. I'll sleep better if I see it and don't like it. Okay. Mama says it's my best painting yet. I passed him my phone with a picture. He studied it for a minute and handed it back without commenting. Then he rested his head back and closed his eyes. Soon, his left hand crept over to my thigh and lay there. I covered it with my own hand and gently squeezed. He turned for a kiss his lips, arms, and chest, then caving into me with an overwhelming emotion that felt like a sob or love crushed by sorrow. Words filled my head. You're upset that I'm a free person with a life of my own that you can't control. or Your vision of us just evaporated. Or, but Rod, it's good you faced the truth that you can't own me. In retrospect, that was the starting point to the last stretch of our relationship. It was after that flight back to Boston that Rod became withdrawn and morose. When he did speak, it was to lash out with distortions that turned me into the villain and he the victim. In relative silence, we picked up my car from the airport satellite parking and on the way home stopped at the art supply store. Rod waited in the car while I shopped and then got out to help me load my two large bags into the back. Roughly, he rearranged our luggage to make room for them, then stood back tensely while I carefully laid them down. When I finished, he tossed his weighty backpack right on top of them, as if he were hoisting trash with good riddance. For God's sakes, I just spent $400! How could you do that? And don't you even care that your computer was thrown like that? There you go again, attacking me. My bag didn't do any damage. It's heavy. I have oil paints in there. You're overreacting. You're having a bipolar moment. It's just how you treated me with bang for the buck. How can you say that? I just spent a small fortune for me and watched you throw your backpack on it. Only a person with a twisted mind would accuse someone else of using bang for a buck in a derogatory way. What? Did you just say twisted mind? Why are you even talking about bang for a buck when the issue is you throwing your backpack on my art supplies? And your tone. Yeah, 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 he sneered in imitation and continued to mimic me. How could you be so thoughtless? How could you deliberately damage my precious art supplies? How could you be such a jerk? I didn't say any of that, and that wasn't my tone. I have honest anger right now. $400 means a lot to me. I think it's perfectly normal to ask for your respect. I don't need to put up with this kind of abuse. I use bang for a buck correctly and get called a misogynist for it. Now I'm a wicked conniver. I never called you a misogynist or a conniver. And the only reason you keep bringing up bang for a buck is to avoid acknowledging my feelings about how you threw your backpack on my supplies. I'm quitting, he said with a wooden finality and went to the passenger door to yank it open. I sealed my lips. 
I had heard his quitting before, but I didn't want to get into that discussion now when our immediate disagreement was petty. It wasn't the moment to dismantle our relationship once and for all without time to think and talk reasonably. My wedding dress was in the back of the car. How ludicrous! I knew I could not spend the rest of my life hearing such nastiness hurled at me. Maybe it really was the end. That night we lay on our backs in bed, an invisible line dividing us. I was sure his mind churned just as much as mine, and probably with the same thoughts. How much respect do I still have for him? How much respect does he have for me? Love dies without respect. Oh, it's over. We can never make this up. Oh, God. I dread looking for love again. It's so depressing. Morning came, and as usual, sunshine and sky made the world seem rational again. Rod didn't mention quitting and kissed me goodbye before leaving for his long day on the road. I walked to school, inhaling the peaceful woods and listening to the perky birds. With gratitude, I began my routine of classes and responsibilities that always revived my spirits. I moved Tian's portrait upstairs to my office and texted him for a delivery date the first Sunday in April. He texted right back. Fine, but why wait so long? I've missed you. How was your trip? We chatted back and forth a bit so that by the time we said goodbye, I felt I had a life beyond Rod. I had the school and friends, the Potter Gallery and my work, and Tian, an admirer. Morning classes went smoothly. And just before the lunch period, Charles and I took a batch of figure drawings to the main building to hang a new display. We swapped news of our spring breaks but never mentioned the scandal that had befallen both of us just before. The whole school knew I would not be teaching the following year and most of my colleagues had told me how sorry they were about Lori's weirdness. Their support buoyed my sense of self-worth, and I continued to enjoy my classes and students. Anita was happy to see us arrive with new artwork. Oh, I'm ready for some new sights! Not that these pictures haven't kept me gazing the past month. I sit here wishing I could take one of your classes, Pia. You should. Fifty minutes here and there. Alas, my dear, the first duty of a secretary is to remain glued to the post. Sharp voices from Lori's office suddenly penetrated through the walls. As Charles and I hung the figure drawings, the voices became shouts. Then Wafa flung open the door and hurled more words at Lori, whose pear-shaped figure stood in the middle of the room. My budget is not, I repeat, not covering the cost of reprinting all that material. If you want to pay for it and hire a designer to completely redo it, fine. But as far as I'm concerned, I completed that job to perfection. And if it gets redone, that's your business. Like I said, Wafa, your contract clearly states I need to approve all print and digital materials. And you've had ample time to do that. The website's been up for months, and all the designs have been available if you had bothered to follow the paper trail. It's up to you to keep me informed. From the start, you've never copied me on anything you're doing. Not true. It's up to you to read the emails and open your attachments. It's up to you to send them in the first place. This is absurd. What is your real agenda, Lori? Like I said, your budget will have to be restructured to cover the costs of these redos. Wrong. That's just not happening. And if you want to take this discussion further, I insist on having Dale present. Wafa spun away toward the stairs to her office. Charles and I carried on with our work, as if oblivious to the drama. I held a beautiful anatomy drawing against the display board, while Charles pushed in the upper pins. Lori roared at us. Take that down! 
We can't have nudes in the front hall. What are you thinking? Are you out of your mind? Do you think parents would send their kids to this school if they walked in and saw these drawings? It's inappropriate to put nude models in front of 17-year-olds. You're sending them a message that it's fine for children to have sex in the art studio. Anita's mouth dropped in shock. My goodness, she said. Lori flashed at her. Where's my agenda? Don't you have that ready yet? Anita's face recoiled in offense. I sent it to you this morning, Miss Schlusser. Please check your email. And I will not be spoken to in that way. Thank you. I'm sorry. Lori's oblong shape stumbled back over her threshold and the door closed on the world. I thought she must be feeling self-loathing that made isolation paramount. Charles and I took all of the artwork back to the studio, leaving the front hall without a display. As soon as Charles left, I texted Wafa. Well, that was something. She wrote back, There must be retribution. I'm quitting. I'm probably fired anyway. What? Before the festival? (sighs) No, she wouldn't dare do that. And I wouldn't let the school or community down. I can ignore that sociopath to see it through. Let's have lunch or a drink, I texted. Definitely. Send me an invite and thank you, Pia. It felt good to have a cohort in the Schlusser torture, especially one like Wafa who was strong-willed and outspoken. Solidarity with her would make my last ten weeks at Haskell more bearable. I took my lunch back to the amphitheater and settled on a stone slab near the top. I phoned Rod to tell him the news, but he barely responded so that I eventually asked, Is this boring? Nah, I'm listening. She accused her of not opening emails and insisted she wouldn't pay for the reprints Lori was demanding. Rod loudly crunched into potato chips and just as loudly chewed so that my voice trailed off. I can tell you're busy eating chips, so we can talk later. Fine, he said and hung up. A minute later, I received his text. I didn't like the way our conversation went. Let me know what disturbed you so we can talk about it. If you don't know what it is, then we have a bigger problem than I thought. I called him. Rod, I didn't mean anything big by saying I could hear you eating chips. I was saying I could tell it wasn't a good time to talk. I was hungry. (sighs) Am I even allowed to eat chips if I'm hungry? Yes, and I'm sorry. I didn't like your tone when you said I was eating chips. It was an attack. (sighs) It wasn't meant as an attack. I really think we need a therapist. No. It's you who needs one. Only a twisted mind would diss someone for using bang for a buck. What? You're bringing that up again? Yeah, I am, because no one has ever called me a misogynist before. And you keep saying that, too, and I know for sure I never called you that. Then it was something equivalent. You're after me nonstop, and I can't take it anymore. I hear you. I think we should talk about this in person, not on the phone. Fine. See you tonight. I sat on the cold stone slab feeling lifeless. It was over. Without outside help, Rod would always sneer at me while flinging his past hurts in my face. I would live day in and day out with a man who was mean, nasty, and vengeful. I would have to face the future on my own, and at that moment, the prospect felt weighty. I dreaded going home, but by the time the school day closed, I was ready to face the scene, my head prepared for the onslaught I would surely receive from a fighter far more determined than I. As soon as I entered the apartment, I saw his duffel bag in the bedroom. He had placed it at a perfect angle for me to see. His jeans and polo shirts lay neatly folded on the top, not yet inside. Symbolic, he might say. 
I found him slouched on the couch talking on his phone to Wyatt in a pleasant voice. He ignored me, but I knew he had placed the call the minute he heard me enter the building. The call was for my benefit. Yep, it's still pretty nippy up here, and I keep thinking of your sunshine down there, so yeah, that's why I called. If your long-standing invitation's still good, I could really use a break from here. He turned then to glance over the back of the couch at me, then got up to pace around the room. Yep, hitting bumps on all fronts. Yep, paid that asshole two fifty, but I'm making it up fast. Lots of winter damage around here. Nope, not good. In fact, looks like we're through. Another reason to get some of your Florida sunshine. Oblivion, <laughs> yeah. I can fill you in when I get there. I'll start checking flights. Thanks, bro. I owe you now. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Say hi to Jeanette for me. And don't get into trouble. She's the best thing that ever happened to you. When he clicked off, he went into the bedroom without speaking to me. I hung my jacket and went into the living room to wait. I unrolled my yoga mat and lay down to stare at the ceiling. I was sick of his antics and I didn't plan to open the discussion. I didn't care anymore if we broke up. I had survived so far in my life and would continue to do so. He could take his symbolic clothes and put them inside his duffel bag. I was letting him go. But we had stuff to sort out. My belongings stored in his garage and the car. I certainly couldn't buy it from him. I hoped my old car was still running. Suddenly he loomed at the end of my yoga mat, his laptop clutched in one hand. I don't understand why yoga is more important to you right now than me, than our relationship. I am here because you're leaving and there's nothing more to talk about. I want to know, Pia, why are you with me? What's of value to you in our relationship? Do we still have one? What do I value? Companionship, love, sex, dreams together. It's the same for me, and I'm willing to give it another go if you could just stop attacking me. I sat up and stared at him. Did he ever consider whether I was willing to give it another go? Are you going to answer? Yeah. I think you'll always hear my normal conversation as an attack. I can try to be less sensitive, but I think you could try to watch your tone. I really love you, Pia. More words rushed through my head. I know you do, Rod, just like you really loved your mother. But she was hateful, unforgivable for her violence to you, and as a result, all women you really love need to be hateful like her, so that you can get back at her. What are you thinking? Please talk to me. I'm... I'm thinking... I think we'd need a therapist if we were to continue. Not just for the two of us, but also for you. On your own. For the deep things. Everyone has them. No, I won't see a therapist. But I'm willing to try again if you are, and we can still have the party. I didn't answer. I was prepared to break up. But obviously he wasn't, and... I wanted him to be the one to leave me and not the other way around. I didn't want to fulfill the role he had created for me of hard-assed bitch. Could we hug each other? He said. I got off the mat and let my numb arms go through the motions of a hug. But it turned out to be a good thing. He became human to me again, like a trembling, confused boy in the shadow of his horrible mother. Far too complex for me to resolve. I think you have to stop saying you're leaving, I said. I won't say it anymore, and if I do, please remind me. Say in a nice voice, Rod, remember you weren't going to say that anymore. That might make you mad. No, it'll make me remember this moment. 
I managed to smile. I'll make some dinner. But what I really wanted was to escape and be alone. Good. I'll help in a minute. I, I need to call Wyatt and cancel. While I washed vegetables in the kitchen, my phone pinged with a message. I dried my hands and read the screen. It was from Rod, and he was smiling at me from across the room. Hi, my beautiful Pia. Can't wait to snuggle with you tonight. It was too much. We had just hit rock bottom, and now he was cozy and giggly. I didn't believe his I love yous anymore and was confused about how to deal with my future. I smiled at him again and thought his behavior reflected his tortured relationship with his mother, where, as a confused little boy, he had sought cuddly reassurance from her after one of her tirades. We got through that night. We made love. We agreed to do our best because our love was too good to throw away. His voice made many vows. I still want to get married. I still want to have the engagement party. I promise I won't walk out if you send the invitations next week. I couldn't act or react. I let myself go with the flow, knowing it would reach its own conclusion soon enough. It was only a question of time. In the days that followed, Rod designed our invitation and our emails went out. But he still refused to invite Tian. Thank you for listening to episode 19 of Redline. Redline is written by G.D. Spillsbury and narrated by Anna Gravel, directed and produced by Fred Greenhalge, with assistant producer Grace Waldron. Redline is dedicated to Jim Cantor and Brooke Lambert. If you've enjoyed this Redline story, please tell your friends about us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews allows us to get more listeners, like yourself, so we can keep bringing you good stories. Learn more about Redline at redlinepodcast.com. That's redlinepodcast.com. Dot com.